Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. That we are no longer slaves to fear that we've been set free, that we've been redeemed. We've been brought back into this relationship with you. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you will open our spiritual ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts, that you open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today, that we'll walk away changed because we come into this reality and understanding that we are and, and we can be redeemed by the blood of Christ, brought back into this relationship that we're no longer slaves to fear, we're no, no longer bound up in sin or any of those things, that you've come to liberate us and set us free, that we can live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And we thank you for it now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to release the children's ministry and the warrior youth to go back. And uh, again, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. We're so glad to have you here. We've been in this series, Navigating Change, and, and the things that we've talked about the past three weeks are remaining constant through change. With everything changing, how do we remain constant? How do we stay connected and stay focused on the Lord and, and the things that the Lord has called us to? Uh, we talked about repenting to the Lord. Uh, some people think that they don't realize that they need to repent. They don't think they've done anything wrong. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you we all need to repent. And, uh, and then uh, last week I talked about returning to the Lord, coming back to Him. And time after time we see where Israel wandered away and they walked away from the Lord. And there are always consequences when we do that. And today I want to talk about redeemed by the Lord. Because we can uh, return to the Lord and, and we can do some of these things, but I think it's important when we understand that He came to redeem us back into this relationship. Redemption, let's look at the definition or some of the definitions of redemption. Released by payment of ransom, deliverance, repurchasing, winning back something that had been forfeited or lost. Paying the debt for us, redemption as Christians, means that uh, Jesus paid the debt for our sin and brought us back into relationship with the Lord through Christ. And so that's, that's what we'll be talking about today. And you may think, well, that's basic and foundational. Yes, it is. <laughs> but we need to understand the depth of what Christ has done for us. And then there are people that are in our lives that need to be redeemed. They need to come into a relationship with Jesus. And so we can help them through scriptures like I'll be sharing today to help them understand why they need to be redeemed and then also how they can be redeemed. So repenting to the Lord is something that we choose to do right? We choose to come and repent, just like you may apologize to your spouse or someone um, that you've had a conflict with. That's a choice that we make to repent. We say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins. And so whenever we pray a prayer of salvation, that's what we're doing. We're coming to that place of, of recognizing and acknowledging that we need to repent because there's sin in our lives. And we say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. So that's something that we make a choice to do. And then returning to the Lord is something that we choose to do. Because we can repent. We can say, we can do something really terrible and, and be sorry for it. 
but then we can go back and do it again, right? And so it's not just a matter of repenting to the Lord, but it's also yielding our heart and life to Him, coming to Him. So many times when we, when we lead someone in the prayer of salvation, we'll, we'll say, uh, Lord, I'm, I ask you to come into my heart and life. I give you my heart and my life, and I thank you for this new beginning because there's a repentant side where we say, we're sorry, please forgive us of our sins. And then there's this commitment where we say, I'm making you Lord and Savior. So I'm not only getting saved, but I'm also saying, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Because many of us have tried to be Lord of our own life, and we know where that's gotten us, in the ditch or into the guardrail or something like that. And so we're saying, Lord, I make you Lord of my life as well. But redemption, redemption is something the Lord chose to do for us because we cannot redeem ourselves. You know, you think about uh, some, someone that is, is kidnapped, and they get taken captive. And, and the captors say, we want a ransom. Well, it's not anything that the, the person can do that's, that's held uh, uh, captive, right? They're, they're reaching out to someone else saying, hey, we want a ransom of a million bucks or whatever. And so that's what Jesus did for us. He redeemed us, something that we could not do because we cannot forgive ourselves. Well, we can forgive ourselves of our sin, but we can, we can apologize and we can make changes. But he is the one that forgives us. He is the one that forgives us. We can't forgive ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, that may have been a little confusing, uh, but I think you get the point. Redemption is something that we cannot do for ourselves. It comes from the Lord. So my first point this morning is redemption is a free gift. Amen? Let's look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I know this is a familiar scripture of you guys that you guys know, but I want to talk about this because we quote this many times, but do we, do we really stop and think about the depth and the magnitude of what the Word is saying here? Ephesians 2, 8, God saved you by His grace, His redemptive grace, when what? When you believed. And so the Greek word for grace is charis here, and it's the gift of blessings we receive from Christ. It's God's kindness and favor extended to us. And I think as a visual, uh, grace is the Lord leaning into us, saying, hey, I have this grace I want to give you. I want you to receive this forgiveness for, for all your sins, and I can extend that to you. I want to give that to you. And so we can get a visual of the Lord leaning into us, opening his arms up for us. Um, let's look at this same verse in the New American Center Bible. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And the Greek word for faith is pistis, and it means faith in Christ's death resurrection and belief for our redemption or salvation let me be very clear if i was confusing a while ago it is only through the blood of christ that we can be saved it is only through his death on the cross and blood of the cross that we can be redeemed that is not anything that we can do we can't do it for someone else uh, it is only through the blood of christ that we can be redeemed Let's, let's look at uh, verse 8, all of verse 8 again. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. What a beautiful gift that God has given to us. This, this meaning for gift from God is the gift of salvation. It's not a bicycle or a car or a boat. This gift is the gift of salvation 
that we cannot earn, that we cannot buy, that we can't do for ourselves. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can only receive it. And I've shared with you before that uh, we can't be good enough to get it. We can never be good enough to get it, to earn our own salvation, and we can't be bad enough to be disqualified. That's exciting news. Thank you, Jesus, because it's not based on us and our works. It's based on receiving His grace and His mercy. Verse 9 says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Because if somebody could get their own salvation, you can bet that they would be boasting about it. Oh, look at me. I'm saved. Look what I did. So none of us can boast about it. It's, it's His love. It's His gift to us that we just receive. And what a gracious, loving Father, Heavenly Father that we have that would pour out His grace and His mercy and draw us in. I don't know about you. Well, I know about some of you. But I know about me. And I know how much grace and love and forgiveness I've received in, in my own life. Uh, verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. Look around the room. You see God's masterpiece right here before us. Uh, I love a post. I don't know if you guys follow us on Facebook, but uh, Noe put together a post, and it has a, a picture of Mona Lisa, which is a masterpiece, right? And it has this scripture over the top of it. For you are God's masterpiece. You know, we look at something like that, and we say, oh, that's a masterpiece. But do we ever stop and look at one another and say, wait, you're God's masterpiece. I did a little bit of research, and, and it's on the internet, so you know it's true, right? Uh, but in 1962, they valued the Mona Lisa at $100 million. And they extrapolated uh, for 2019, it would be a sh that, that painting would be worth $850 million. You are God's masterpiece. I don't know what the dollar value is, uh, but I think you're more valuable than the Mona Lisa. But the point is, is when God looks at you, he sees a masterpiece. He sees someone that he's created unique and individual. He's given you quirks and personality. And uh, when we look at one another, are we seeing God's masterpiece? Are we seeing something special that God has created Not for his enjoyment and for our enjoyment? And also, what about when we look in the mirror? What do we see there? Are we seeing through the lens of woundedness and anger and hatred or, uh, you know, insecurities? Or are we seeing ourselves purely as God sees us? When we look in the mirror, we can say, there's God's masterpiece. Isn't he or she good looking too? <laughs> so we are God's masterpiece. Verse 10 continues, He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So whenever we come to the Lord, whenever we pray a prayer of salvation, we can remind them, this is a new beginning. This is a fresh start. Because God takes us and makes us into something new. By the transformation process, by His redeeming process, He is doing something in our hearts and lives. Imagine that you see someone and they're making something out of clay. You know, they've got the wheel spinning and, and they're making something and then they go, you know, this isn't turning out right. And they smash it up and they roll it back up into a bundle and then they begin to make it again. And, and as they're making it, they're like, oh, this is much better. 
That's what God does in our life. When we come to Him and we commit our life to Him, He transforms our lives. That's why I love Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because God is doing this transformation process in our hearts and lives. But it begins with our repentance. It, re, it begins with us coming to the Lord. It begins with the redemption, Him bringing us back into this relationship. And we have a new birth. We're born again. That's what this, this phrase means, being born again, is that we're brought back into this newness of life. Verse 10 continues, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. See, God didn't just plant us here just so we could eat and work, but He planted us here to have relationship with Him, have relationship with one another, and He has good things for us. We sang about it this morning. He is up to something good, not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people around us, and we can be part of the good things for them right? We can be a blessing to them. We can be an encouragement to them. We can extend the love of Christ to them. We can be friends with them. We can help them. And so God has created us so that He can do good things through us. Not, not only through us, but for us as well. So my first point is redemption is a free gift. My second point is redemption is only through the sacrifice of Christ. And I think that's clear. <laughs> I think I've, I've, we've, we've got that. Okay, let's move on. Romans 3, 20, 22 through 24, 27 and 28. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And so we know that righteousness, we, we can't be righteous in our own. It's God that makes us righteous because He washes away all of our sin. He takes away our sin. He forgives us completely and totally. So we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 22 continues. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. I love this. I love this. Because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your family history. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. This is true for everyone who believes. The pimp, the prostitute, the child molester. Even they can be redeemed. Even they can be saved. The people that create or do the most heinous crimes, the things that are the most wicked, they can be redeemed through the blood of Christ. So let us not get puffed up with pride because we're redeemed. Because maybe God is doing a work in their heart and in their life. And we need to pray for those people that are lost. When we have the heart of God in us, we will be hurting and praying for those that God would want us to pray for. We would be loving those that God, because God loves them. God created all of us. But He wants to be in relationship with us. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. I remember having a conversation with a gentleman at work, and he's, he, we were talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, who had done all these horrible things, and he said, well, I don't believe he's in heaven. I said, well, I, I heard that he had given his life to the Lord. I don't know, but if, if he had, then he'll be in heaven. He said, well, I just don't believe it. I said, well, then you don't believe the word, because it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, if, if he is beyond uh, being forgiven, who else is beyond that? So we, that's why we need to know the Word of God. 
That's why you need to know the Word of God. So if you come into contact with someone and they say, well, you don't know what I've done, it doesn't matter what you've done. This is what the Word says. God wants you to be His masterpiece. He wants to restore you back into this relationship. And this is for you too. For everyone, no matter who we are. See, the, the ground is level at the cross. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter. It, none of that matters. It's all level at the cross. And so anyone that comes to the cross and says, Lord, forgive me. He's there. Remember the visual I was, I was giving you earlier that God is pressing. It's like he's leaning and saying, come on, come on, come to me. Come to me. I love you. I want to have a relationship. But you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I can forgive you. Just repent. Just ask for my forgiveness. I'll forgive you. And so that's what, that's what God wants to do. Um, verse 23. For everyone has sinned. Say everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We aren't born saved. <laughs> we're born in sin. The word says we're conceived in sin. So all of us need to come to this place. This is not a slam. It's a fact. <laughs> For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Ah, but 24, yet God. Woo! Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. We didn't deserve it. But with undeserved kindness, He declares that we are righteous because of the blood of Christ. He sees our sins are, are washed away. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's read on. Verse 24. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. When we come to Him, we repent. We say, Lord, I want You to come into my life. He redeems us. I remember years ago, some of you may be old enough to remember this, but my mom would go to the grocery store and she would buy groceries, and she would get these green stamps. And you get these green stamps, and you put them in a book, and then when your book is full, you go to this little outlet place, and you can redeem those green stamps for trinkets or gifts or, you know, ta uh, I don't know, plates, all kinds of stuff. And so that's kind of what's going on here. We are being redeemed. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me read on here. Uh, he did this to Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. It's not, we're not saved. We're not acquitted from the sin because we jumped through all the hoops and, and dotted every I and crossed every T. We're saved through faith when we believe. Now, now the, the Lord's not saying break the law, it's okay, but He's saying that it's not by keeping the law because none of us have kept and can keep the law. Have you ever stolen a paperclip? Have you ever told a lie? Don't start now. Come on now. We've all broken the law because if you've broken one part of the law, you've broken the law. Well, officer, I was only driving one mile over the speed limit. You broke the law. And God is not looking to get us. He's looking to have us come into this relationship with Him. 
And so we can't do it on our own. It's only by faith, by yielding, saying, God, I ask you to come into my heart and life and save me today. Restore me. Verse 28 says, For we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. So my first point is redemption is a free gift. My second point is redemption is only through the sacrifice of Christ. My third point is all of us were born needing to be redeemed. And I think that there are people there that, that are may, may be Christian and they think, well, you know, I'm a good person. Maybe they're not a Christian if they haven't asked Christ in their life. But maybe they think, well, I, I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. I've never murdered, you know, uh, I'm kind to people. But that doesn't save us. Only Jesus can save us. I want to give a little background on King David. Many of you know about King David and have read about him. And he was uh, a young man that, that was chosen to be king. Uh, God's anointing was on him. God's leading and direction was on him, even though David did some terrible things. And we know that David, uh, uh, one day um, his men were out battling, and he, he stayed behind, which he should have been out with his, his uh, warriors and he noticed a, a beautiful woman taking a bath, and uh, uh, Bathsheba, and he called for her, and he slept with her and got her pregnant. And uh, because her husband was at war, uh, he called her husband back and tried to trick him to go sleep with her so he could hide that the baby was his. Even got the guy drunk and said, hey, go home and sleep with your wife. And the guy was so committed to the king and, and uh, the, the men out in the battlefield, he wouldn't even go sleep with his wife. And when that wouldn't work, then King David sent him back into battle with a note of his own murder, his own death. He, he said, put him in the front lines and withdraw and, and let him get killed. That's a pretty terrible thing. It's a pretty terrible thing that he did. But uh, we know that he repented. And uh, he, he uh, now there were, there were consequences for that. There are always consequences for sin, but he repented. And the thing I love about David is I've never killed anyone that I know of. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I haven't done some of the things that he's done, and I'm, I'm thankful, you know, when, whenever we make a comment like that, we probably need to add to that, but for the grace of God go I, because there were times when I was driving that I should not have been driving, and I probably could have killed myself or someone else, so I'm thankful, but the thing that I love about David is that he seemed to really grasp and understand this redemption thing. He seemed to really grasp and understand this forgiveness that God has for us. And so in Psalm 51, we're not going to read all of it. I, I encourage you to go back and read this psalm when you get some, some time. Psalm 51, it's, it's a psalm that David wrote after he was confronted by Nathan the prophet regarding his affair with Bathsheba. And so Nathan the prophet comes to him and, and gives him an example uh, and, uh, and really exposes to David what he's done, the magnitude of his sin. So let's look at Psalm 51, 5 through 11. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So David had some understanding of 
where we are as humans. We've talked about this many times before, but sin entered into humanity when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God when they ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's when sin entered into all of us. So all of us are born in sin. We're conceived in sin. So uh, let's look at verse 6. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. And uh, this word used for in the womb in Hebrew means the inward or hidden parts. So I'm not really sure why it was translated this way, but but David understands that even in the womb, even in the, our innermost parts, we can yield to the Lord, and he, he can give us wisdom, and He can give us understanding. And, uh, and, and, and so that's what we need. We need to have a, this transformation in our heart and life where we're open to the Lord to, to bring health and healing into us, to bring wisdom into our lives. We all need wisdom. And sometimes we'll be praying about a situation and God can give us insight into what we need to do. Or he can orchestrate and he does orchestrate the circumstances for our good. We sang, again, we sang about it today. I love that song. He's up to something good. Wait a minute. We're his masterpiece. We're someone that has a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He wants to do good things for us. He wants us to walk in the fullness of life. He wants us to walk in His blessings. He wants us to walk in His favor. But you notice it's His favor. It's His blessings. Because we are His children. We're yielding to Him. This is something that He wants to do for us. Just like you would want to do for your children or your grandchildren. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. The Lord desires to give us wisdom. He desires to speak into our hearts and lives. That's why we talk about the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us. And that's why the Lord said when Jesus left, He said, I'm not going to leave you stranded, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. He goes on, uh, David goes on to write, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me. And I will be whiter than snow. David had some understanding about the completeness of God's forgiveness that I think sometimes we need to be reminded of. Think about when you've done something that you know you shouldn't do. And what happens? You feel guilty. And you, you go and you say, God, please forgive me for, for that. Right? But sometimes it's, it still seems... Y'all are looking at me like I'm the only one that has experienced this. I mean, you never feel like there's something kind of hanging on you, some guilt, some shame. Do you ever feel that way? Well, David understood. He said, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. So when, when those things happen, when, when we stumble and fall, when we make a, a mistake or something, we go to Him and we say, God, forgive me. We don't have to be dragging that around. Do you ever have these things come into your minds where you're like, man, I regret that I did that 20 years ago. I, re I don't know. I mean, I hate that because I'm like, wait a minute, that's done. It's washed by the blood. It's gone. But yet the enemy will try to put those things in our mind and remind us. And so we need to say, no, no, I don't want, I don't want to remember that anymore. Yes, I messed up. But Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. Amen. 
I don't have to live there anymore. I don't have to go there anymore. I'm free of that. And then we need to look in the mirror and say, I'm forgiven. I'm God's masterpiece. I receive your forgiveness. I'm moving on. Paul said, I'm not looking behind me anymore. I'm not looking at the things I used to do. I'm looking ahead at what God has for me. Verse 8. Oh, give me back my joy again. Oh, give me back my joy again, God. You have broken me. Now, let me rejoice. And we know that when when David had the affair with Bathsheba, had Uriah murdered, he went and interceded for that child that, that he had fathered. And the child died. And he was praying. He was saying, God, don't, don't kill the child. Don't take the child. Because the Lord said, I, the child is going to die. And he went, to, he went before the Lord. And he, he fasted and he prayed and he sought God. And the child died. And he went to the temple and he worshiped. <laughs> and they said, you know, his servants were, oh, what's he going to do now that the child has died? He was praying and everything, and now he seems okay. I went, David said, I went, I prayed, I fasted, I did everything that I could, I re- I've repented, and, and this is up to the Lord. This is a consequence of my sin but I know that my sins are forgiven. So let me experience the joy. Give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. There's nothing I can do about it now, but move forward. And so this is a word for somebody today. There's nothing you can do about your past. Move forward. Receive God's grace. Receive God's forgiveness. And move forward. Verse 9, don't keep looking at my sins, remove the stain of my guilt. Later on, David writes in Psalm 103, 12, he says, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The east and the west never touch. David understood something about forgiveness. David understood something about receiving forgiveness. Did he ever think about the things that he did? Probably. But at least he had times where he came to the realization of the completeness of God's forgiveness and grace in his life. Let's go back to Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, God. Take away those evil, those wicked desires, those things that that would drive me to do some of these things. Take those things away from my heart. Take them out of my heart. And renew a loyal, or some versions say, a steadfast spirit within me. That I will be focused on you. That I won't be so easily distracted. That I won't be so easily pulled away. Because of my commitment, because of this relationship that I have. I mean, think about a husband and wife uh, that gets separated. If they get separated, there's a greater chance that they're going to get divorced because now they're apart from one another. And they may begin to do their own thing and develop their own life. But if they can stay together, if they can get some counseling, if they can get some help, if they can get some healing in their life, in their marriage, there's a good chance that they can be restored. If there's forgiveness, if there's a commitment. And so, 
uh, David is saying, create in me a clean heart, God. You do it, God. Do something for me that I cannot do for myself. And then help me to have a steadfast or loyal spirit, a commitment to you. Verse 11 says, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, please don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your presence away from me, God. I messed up. But I don't want to lose that connection with you. So we haven't read all of Psalm 51, but David demonstrates repentance through godly sorrow for his sins. It wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught with my hand in the cookie. I'm sorry. No, it was godly repentance. It was deep. It was heartfelt. It was sincere. It was honest. It was transparent. Are you transparent with the Lord? Sometimes, you know, I'm really passionate. Sometimes I'm yelling and screaming. (laughs) Sometimes I'm crying. Surprise, shock. But God wants this passionate, transparent, authentic relationship with Him. Not some arm's length relationship. Or... So David, David had sorrow for his sins. He, he confessed his sins. He chose to turn away from his sins. He was asking for forgiveness. And I think the key here is that he was able to receive forgiveness. I've known people that... that They say, well, I just can't forgive myself. Well, God forgives you. Why can't you forgive yourself? Are you greater than God? So he was able to receive forgiveness and move forward. He had a desire for restoration of God's favor. He rejoiced in his deliverance and his help in the safety of God. He was willing to testify about God's grace to others. Our testimony is us sharing our life of the tests that we've been through. Sometimes it's the victories. Sometimes it's the failures. But God can use us and our story and our testimony to encourage other people. Don't go down that path. Let me tell you, I went down that path. And here were the consequences but let me, let me tell you, there's a better way. And I found victory over this. I'm walking in, in liberty and freedom from my past because of what Jesus has done and is do, doing and will do in my life. And He can do the same for you. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. Again, do we understand the love that God has for us? And that is what we are. We are His children that He loves, that He desires to have a relationship with. Verse 1 continues, But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. They don't know Him. But we know Him. Uh, Jesus was teaching about serving in Mark 10.45. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a a great passage of Scripture there. But I I just want to look at verse 45 here. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and 
And what? To give his life as a ransom for many. For us. For those that are watching online. For those that are out fishing. For those that are out sleeping off a hangover. Whatever it may be. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. Will we, are we going to receive that? Are we going to walk in that? 1 Corinthians 1.30 God has reunited you with Christ Jesus. <laughs> for our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. I'm going to stop here for a second. Because God, Jesus, not only has wisdom, but he is wisdom. Verse 30 continues, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from our sin. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's, that's part of the value of the local church is that we have relationships, that we can go to one another and say, Hey, man, would you pray with me about this? I, I, I just want to share my heart and, and life with you. And, and, uh, and, and you can pray for one another. You can encourage one another. You can strengthen one another. Verse uh, 16 goes on to say, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And we just read, how are we made righteous? By the blood of Christ. One version says, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You want to get into King James Version, right? I think that's King James. But the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So we, we can encourage one another. We can pray for one another for the salvation and the redemption of others. And we do. We do. But the prayer of a righteous man and a woman is powerful. I want to, in closing, I want to share a story with you. Last Saturday night, I got a call from uh, a lady that was a neighbor in our neighborhood in Corpus Christi. Now, we've been in the Houston area for 18 years, and uh, she called me, and, uh, well, let me back up. Uh, we prayed for this family. It was a husband and a wife and two children. And uh, the wife seemed like just such a sweet lady, real sweet. The, the children were real sweet. Well, anyway, she calls me up last week, and she said that she felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to call me last Saturday. And she said that uh, she didn't know if, if, if we would pick up the church phone or not, and so that was an uh, indication to her that she was obeying because I actually answered the phone. So let me pause here for a moment. We talk about sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit tells us to call somebody at 8 o'clock at night on the work phone, then we need to do it. And I'm so grateful that she obeyed because what she had to say was really encouraging. But she said that I think 8 years or 10 years ago, I believe, she received the Lord. So let's back up. We've been in, in the Houston area for 18 years. We, were, we lived in that house about 10 years. We were praying for our neighbors. We were praying for the people around us. We were praying for that family. And it seems like I remember uh, being in Houston and praying for them. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but it seems like we, even after we moved up here, we would still pray for them occasionally. So um, 
10 years ago, she received the Lord. And, uh, and we haven't had any contact with these people since we left Corpus Christi. And she said that the Lord had shared with her that we had been praying for her and her family from way back then. And she said, I just want you to know that your prayers have been and are being answered even from way back then. And she said, she said, I believe that I'm where I am today because of your prayers. And I'm sure we weren't the only ones praying, but I know we were praying for them. We were praying that they would receive the Lord, that their marriage would be healed. We didn't have a lot of information about their marriage or, or anything going on, but she told me that her husband was abusive and she was afraid to leave. And uh, eventually she did leave him and married a wonderful Christian man. But she said, not only did I get saved, but my mom got saved. My mom had religion, but my mom got saved. She said she, she thinks she's more holier than the Pope. <laughs> well, she may be. Um, and she said, and, and not only my mom, but my children are saved and serving the Lord. She said, I'm still praying for my ex-husband. And she said, uh, I'm going to your home church in Corpus Christi now. So the, prayer, the prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And imagine that your prayers are like a pebble in a pond. It hits the pond creates ripples. That's what our prayers are doing. God is honoring our prayers. As we intercede and we pray for people, God is moving on His behalf. He's moving in the hearts and lives of people. He's bringing them to a place of understanding His great love for them. He's moving them to a place of breaking through their insecurities and their woundedness and drawing them into this relationship with Him. Because the prayers of the saints are powerful. I think if we knew the power of our prayers and the importance of our prayers, I think we would pray more. So, I wanted to share that story because I just want you to understand how valuable you are to the Lord. And how when we yield our hearts and lives to Him, He will do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. If we will yield to Him, if we'll repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I ask you to come into my, my heart and life. God, I make you my Lord and Savior. Will you redeem me? Will you do this work in me? so that I can be a vessel that you can pour through. Wounded people, wound people, healthy, godly, healed people can be a mechanism that God uses to reach the lost and broken that have been saved, that have been walking through some stuff. We need to have some, some uh, fortitude in our lives. We need to be able to handle some stuff. And we need to be able to walk with people 
and not get sucked into the muck and the mire that they're trying to get out of. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you would like to recommit your life to the Lord. If that's you, slip up your hand. Anybody here this morning? Anybody here? Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, man, I, I, I need to come back to the Lord or I, I don't know, I don't have this relationship with Jesus. Let's take care of that right now today. It's not by a happen chance that you're watching this message. And God may be speaking to you today. So just pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart and life. I receive you today. Forgive me of all my sins. I want to come into this relationship with you. I want you to redeem me. I want you to wash away all that old stuff from the past. And I thank you for this new day. And I receive you in my heart and life. And I thank you. I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray for everyone that prayed that prayer that the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit would in increase in them. That as they read the Word of God, that your Word would jump off the page. As they spend time, quiet time, that you would speak to their hearts, Lord God. That they would hear your small, still voice speaking to them. And that they would get comfortable and they would recognize your voice that leads us and guides us into all truth. His name is the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you for setting people free. I thank you for, for the ability to, to uh, allow people to walk in victory and freedom today and come into this beautiful, wonderful relationship with you. And we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks in Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.